Welcome to Crazy Bitches, the weekly podcast where we delve into the scary and sexy world of women's mental health. I'm Amy. And I'm Kendra. And who the fuck do we think we are sitting here talking into these microphones? Do you ever ask yourself that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I've got like major imposter syndrome going on. Like the moment you sent me one of our edited podcasts and I was like, oh, fuck, we've got a podcast and people listen to this. And it sounds like a podcast, yet I am sitting in my closet right now (laughs) because I was too lazy to walk my computer downstairs. So I'm in my closet and I have the microphone propped up on two shoe boxes. So I'm not even in a chair. Yeah, this is this is the pod life, guys. It, the pod it, life. <laughs> you didn't choose the pod life. The pod life chose you. And now is the point where your husband's officially like, okay, this is fucking gone too far. She's locking herself <laughs> in the closet. Well, yeah. Last time we were recording, when I discovered that I could move only two feet from my bed to record. And I will let you know that if I could record in my bed, I would. It's just that... I think it sounds better in a smaller room and I have nowhere to prop my mic up in my bed. So that's the only reason that I'm You got to make some sacrifices for that sound quality. I hear you. Yeah. (laughs) So I think the last time we were recording and I was in the closet, my husband did come in probably because he was wondering why the fuck I had locked myself in the closet and was talking to myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's gone to that stage now. (laughs) Yeah. He, He was not surprised but i think he was just you know wondering how concerned he should be um i think he was probably relieved that i was talking into a microphone even if it was to nobody at least it was like a role-playing situation and not me talking to my shoes yeah You know, I was asking myself, like, really, like, honestly, who do we think we are, like, you know, doing this? You know, we're talking about some pretty big topics. And then I realized that this is exactly, you know, exactly what we should be doing with our experience. We have some fucking gnarly experiences to share. And we know some women that do too. And also some levity to share with it as well. And that's very much what Allie did with us the other night in her incredible interview that she did with us. Yeah. And the type of story that Ali told us is exactly why I wanted to do this, because we do know people that have these amazing stories to tell and just how touched both of us were after Mm. her interview. I mean, we're recording the intro, not we usually do it right after the interview and we couldn't because we were just so blown away and so emotional after. Mm. And that's the kind of emotion that I think other people will feel listening to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, I know that you're going to love her as much as we did and be as touched as we were. And we hope that you hear a piece of your story in Allie's story. So keep on listening. The Crazy Bitches podcast deals with sensitive and potentially triggering material and likely contains adult content and language. Please take care of yourself and any other little ears that are listening. Any views expressed in this podcast, no matter how brilliant and insightful, are our experiences and opinions only. They are not intended to be taken for medical advice. If you are looking for a diagnosis and or treatment, please see a medical professional. Thanks for being here with us. 
Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this remote. This is just, it's kind of weird, but I also really like the fact that no one can see me. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm more than okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm anybody not, I have to see this right now. I have I'm to say I'm a little pissed pod. because you at first said we were going to record these remote podcasting sessions. So I went and got a webcam <laughs> and I set up my filter and <laughs> I I got the FaceTime filter or whatever. No, the, um, what is it? the Snapchat filter on my computer and I set up the best filters. So I would look awesome even when I'm not wearing makeup. Like I could put a cat filter on myself. Get out. <laughs> Kate, just for the record, you <laughs> nixed that the first time because I was like, let's use this video. And you're like, oh yeah, let's not use this video. Well, you know why? Because it was me and you and Sky recording and you and Sky, I was like, why do you bitches look so great? And you're like, well, we both have professional webcams. And so it was like, you guys, you look like supermodels and I look like a troll in my dungeon recording in my basement. So I was like, fuck this. And the, the next day, angle, like the upward yeah. angle with the chins and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm going to buy a webcam tomorrow, which I did. And then the next time you're like, yeah, we're not recording. I'm like, can but we, I want to record. <laughs> we can film you. We <laughs> but go, I'm ready yeah. now. <laughs> You'll yeah. have your moment. You'll have your moment, Kendra. We'll film oh, you. Oh, yeah. I have like a whole studio set up. I have lighting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to be the ugly one. Okay. What's your studio like right now, Allie? Where are you sitting? Oh, I'm in Chris's office. <laughs> are you still working or are you just, have you no. just transferred? You, really? You're just on your business now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've been out since March. I also lost my job. I got laid off from the city and I was devastated because I love that job. Mm-hmm. But also I was like free to rest. And yeah, in a sense, exactly. so my whole system went, oh, you're fucked. Like you like mm-hmm. have some shit you haven't yeah. dealt with here. You've got some trauma. Oh, you man, the shit that I have learned about my body and my mind. I'm like, I don't know how much I like this. <laughs> right? We're forced to sit down and listen to it for the first time. Yeah. All of this outside distraction isn't there. And all this, you know, productivity and this shit that we chase is all of a sudden gone. And you're left with yourself and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So do you mind sharing with us the diagnosis that you've been given? Yeah. So a few years back, I mean, I've always since a young teenager, 12, 13 years old, have struggled with just general anxiety. I dealt with a lot of panic attacks as a, as a teenager and in my early 20s. And I kind of, I thought I had gotten a handle on it, but again, like we had just discussed, it was more so just, I found something to distract me enough over the years, which was a marriage-like relationship and becoming a mom and all of those things that come with it. And so I didn't actually get a handle on it. I found out when a few years ago, about three years ago, my fiance passed away really suddenly and 
after he passed, obviously with the trauma that came with that, the panic attacks resumed in full force. And so I went to multiple doctors afterwards asking for a proper diagnosis. And I didn't even have to get halfway through the appointment for them to be like, yeah, it's it's panic disorder. You have a panic disorder. And I kind of already knew it going into it. But just to hear it was kind of like, okay, well, at least I know where to go from here. I can deal with it one way or another. So hearing that was a good thing. Another thing was it wasn't a like a formal diagnosis, but after my fiance passed, I went for trauma therapy with an amazing trauma and grief therapist. I don't think I would have gotten through it without her, but she... About three sessions in, she's like, you are dealing with just a classic case of PTSD. And I was like, what? Like, Because <laughs> you hear about people who do deal with PTSD and you're like, there are people far worse off than I am who've been through war and have seen people die. And you're like, I, I don't think that's correct. And they're like, no, like many diseases and, and syndromes and diagnoses, there's different variations and different cases and severities. And she's like, you just have a mild case that you've got to work through. And I was like, well, damn. (laughs) And you know, saying that it's amazing how much we downplay our pain. Everyone else has the leeway and permission to struggle. But when it comes to us, we're like, no, 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 I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. I should be okay. I should be better than this. Yeah. And when you say mild, you know, I was around you for a, a part of this and you were suffering. Like you were suffering oh, really yeah. bad. You were not sleeping. You were hypervigilant. You were really struggling. So to say mild, I just want to make sure that it's clear that you were you struggled. Oh yeah. I want to also just say that, how old are you, Aldi? Sorry, I don't want to, <laughs> never ask 29. a woman her age, but yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> young, okay. 29 years old, and this was a few years ago. You're a young woman with a young mm-hmm. child losing your life partner. So this is someone that you were starting out a life in a family with. I mean, that's not a minor thing. When I had my first child at two weeks old, he almost died. And it was very traumatic for me. And I was diagnosed with a mild case of PTSD. And he ended up being fine in the end. But that still haunts me. Like when my second child was born two years later, he was born six weeks early, and he needed to be in the hospital just to get stronger. And just even being back in the hospital with him brought up trauma and I was re-traumatized by that. So I can only imagine what you were feeling. You say it was a minor case, but I don't think the incident itself is what makes it minor. It's how it affects you. Oh yeah. It was super unexpected. Like no one ever anticipates their life going that way, you know, in just based on where our lives were at the time and how good things were going. It it was nothing that I would have expected to have to deal with on like a Wednesday evening at dinner time, you know? And Mm. for just like 100%, it was traumatic. It still is to this day. I still deal with uh, multiple triggers that I didn't even realize were triggers, you know? Like just as an instance, like before it happened, he had come home and came into my room and I was sick laying in bed that day. And I had my son with me and I had my head on my son's tummy. And we were just like cuddling, watching a cartoon. And um, my fiance had come home from work a little early and was like, I'm just going to go have a shower. But because I was laying with 
my head on my son's tummy, I can no longer do that anymore. Because Mm. the second I do, I start to panic. And it's just things, little things like that, that trigger it, that you don't realize are all part of it. But because it was just such a normal day turned so abnormal, so fast, it's like, and I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I have a very, very, like my body and mind are so, so intertwined, like energetically. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel everything so intensely um, in my body when it comes to my thoughts and my emotions. So I've come to terms with that over the years because of this event that that took place and just still to this day dealing with small triggers that you don't even think are part of it and learning what those are along the way is just that it's just a constant reminder that like hell yeah what you went through was traumatic and I don't know a whole lot of other people who have <laughs> right so. yeah it literally lives in your body it does. Like something, 100%. something that seems so inconsequential and just so mundane and routine. Can I, I get that same thing. I know we all do, right? Like it all lives within us and something like primal in me gets touched and shifted and yeah, I can go and it's very quick, right? Like, I don't know about with you, but my panic attacks can come on very quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Out of nowhere. What is a panic attack like for you? Because it's oh so different for other people. Yeah, it's exhausting. Fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to get tired thinking about it. There, I when I and you know what sucks is that like when I go to do like research on on different method like meditation methods and breathing methods on how to get yourself through one. It's like people are like, oh, breathe for five minutes and you'll be okay. It'll pass. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it's fucking like. Like right. this yeah. is bullshit. This is not yeah. what I'm going through. And I'm like, my panic attacks, what it's all physical. It's purely mm. physical because I could be just like watching a TV show randomly on the couch and feeling fine all day. And then all of a sudden I will get, it'll feel like I'm vibrating from the Mm -hmm. inside out. And then my chest will feel like someone's stomping on it as hard as they can. My heart rate goes through the roof. I throw up, I Mm -hmm. shake. It's almost like you have a, what I describe it as is like, you know, when you get like a 24 hour flu, Mm-hmm. And you get the shakes and the fever, but you're cold and you can't stop vibrating and shaking and throwing up and all of those symptoms come with it, but it just comes out of nowhere and you never know when it's going to end. What happened was, and the reason why I, I dove back into trying to treat myself and take care of the problem from the root was because after my fiance's name was John, after John passed away, like I don't even really remember the four or five months after that, it was just kind of all a blur. <laughs> but when like seven or eight months out hit me, it was like oh. a switch went off in my brain. And it felt like the only way I can describe it was like my brain broke. And I went into like full panic mode, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a solid three or four months. 
where my job was like, you can't stay here. We'll pay you to leave and go home. Like they were like, yeah, they were like, seriously, you're bringing us down. Okay. I know they were like, they were like, we're really concerned for you. Like you don't look well, you're not doing well. We'll pay you just go home and take the time you need. And I was, I felt so out of my own control. Like I had no control of my brain or my body. And it was like all of that trauma that I was supposed to be processing in those months afterward just showed up. And I was like in a panic attack for like three months straight. I shit you not. And it was the most exhausting year of my life. And it is it, because it takes a toll on your body. It's exhausting for your mind, but it's physically taxing as well because your body is constantly in fight or flight. Exactly. And that's what people don't understand is that, you know, they think it's, it is, it's a psychological diagnosis, but it's also taxing on your body because you have physical reactions that come along with it. So at the end of the day, when you're constantly in this heightened state of anxiety, you're constantly exhausted. Oh my God. It's like, yeah, it takes everything out of you. After I have a panic attack, I need to lie down. I'm done for the rest of the day. Oh yeah. For like a day, for like an entire day, you have to like recover from it. And you know what sucks even more is that just think about how much energy it takes out of your body to go through panic and trauma and, and depression, but all the energy that has to go into healing that. Yeah. Is so, so exhausting. And people do not talk about that enough. No. Yeah. You're so I right. don't think they talk about it enough. That's why people turn to substances, right? Because it's just exactly. easier. Yeah. Exactly. You check out. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I, and there was a part of me during that time where I was like, man, I, I get it now. Like, I get why people take this other route because, God damn it, you have to basically retrain your brain. Mm-hmm. on your own uh, or with a therapist. But I mean, like how much, the, how much can a therapist really do when you've got so much to heal? <laughs> yeah. How the Not hell did you parent through this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing about motherhood? Like you yeah. just fucking do it. Do yeah. it. No, no matter what's happening, you figure it out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly, I just to like a quick rundown, my fiance passed away from a very unexpected drug overdose. And during that time, his daughter who lived with us was in treatment for for drug abuse at that time. Wow. And so it was two days before she was graduating her program. Mm. And I had to call her and tell her what had happened. And then have her driven home to come home to all of this that was going on. And so I thank my lucky fucking stars every day for that girl. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) Yeah. I thank my lucky stars for that girl because she stuck around for a good year after Mm -hmm. that to help me with her little brother to help me grocery shop and live life normally again she slept in my bed for a year with me and made sure that i ate and she was like a 16 year old mother to me <laughs> for wow 
like a year. And just to be clear, this is your stepdaughter. So this is not your biological daughter. No, this is my stepdaughter. So this is a really special relationship because she didn't need to be there. No, I, and I straight up gave her the choice when she came Mm -hmm. home. I said, you do not have to stay with me. Like this is, there's no obligation. I will always be here. You, you have the choice is yours a hundred percent. And I will Mm -hmm. always love you and care for you and be here for you. And she chose to stay. And I mean, unfortunately it didn't, her stay with me didn't end well. And, but uh, that being said, she's she's happy and she's healthy and she's living with her mom and we still are in great contact and we still see each other as much as we can. And I honestly, I think that's how uh, that's a huge reason why I got through that first year mm-hmm. was because I had her with me, yeah. kind of helping me with her little brother and just kind of reminding me like that what I was going through was a lot because I, there was a while there where I was like, I feel like I'm broken emotionally because I'm not as sad as I should be. But that's the worst, you know? And it was like, I was like, I should be upset right now and I should be grieving, but I'm not. But it was just Mm -hmm. like, you went into survival mode and did what you had to do. And luckily I had, a very huge support system behind me and my, my parents are around and I had friends and family come in from all over the place to come pitch in and help. So uh, I have a lot of, I have a lot of people to thank for the first year and a half of trying to get through that. But after that, like you said, Amy, it's just like, you just fucking do it. Like Mm -hmm. you, you have an obligation, you know, and, Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, of course, your health and your your physical health matter. But when it comes to waking up in the morning and getting your kid taken care of, nothing else matters to you as a mom Yeah, mm-hmm. on a day-to-day. We're always the last person we think about. Yeah. So I know so often is our experience with events like this, when we have, you know, tragic events or something really huge happened in our lives and our community kind of surrounds us and people come to us and hopefully that's the case. But Mm -hmm. with anxiety and some of these invisible illnesses, it's, Mm -hmm. if you haven't experienced them, you don't understand. No. And I find the case that the farther you might get away from the situation, Did you find that you got the perception that people were kind of ready for you to be better than you were at that point? Oh, yeah. Especially working in, I mean, like, you you know, you. Yeah, I know. I used to work (laughs) there. (laughs) You know, Uh, working in an office full of people who don't really, like, I don't know anybody that I work with that deals with anxiety or depression or, or panic disorder the way I did. And so very quickly after he passed, I was expected to kind of just be back to normal. That's why they sent me home because they were like, we would expect you to basically be better by now. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) That's not really how it works, but all right. (laughs) Sorry, this is not on your timeline. I'll (laughs) I'll take your money and I'll go home. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the, the thing that I found disappointing the most was that I found myself having to explain 
the concept of mental health to people more than I spent the time just venting to them. Mm-hmm. It was like I, I was spending more time justifying my mental health diagnosis than I was actually just being heard. And that's what I found really infuriating. I had to come up with just analogies for people. If I said, I can't talk, I'm having a a really bad panic episode. And someone would be like, oh, I don't even know what that means. And I'm like, okay, why can't you come home one day and you find your boyfriend banging your best friend in your bed? What's the feeling that you get? And they're like, oh, like my heart just sunk into my stomach and I feel like throwing up. I was like, there you go. <laughs> like, That's how I feel every fucking day. Yeah. So I'm like, talking welcome to, me to right my now. fucking life right now. So are we good? Like, do you get it now? <laughs> and you're almost trying to explain something you don't fully understand yourself. Exactly. Because I've had anxiety for so long and I've seen different therapists and still I keep learning things about anxiety that are new to me. Like I recently was talking to a therapist and he kind of explained something about anxiety to me that kind of gave me like an aha moment. And he it was actually a marriage counselor and he was talking to my husband about anxiety and trying to explain it to him so he could kind of understand me. And he was talking to him and saying like, you know, a person with generalized anxiety disorder, they get worked up about something and they get anxious and immediately their mind goes to death, doom, failure. Mm-hmm. And that really kind of struck me because it's so true. My husband will say something, uh, you left handle of the pot facing outwards and immediately I'm just like, I'm a failure. Someone's going to die. Like mm-hmm. that's immediately where my mind goes. And so when you were talking, Ali, immediately I'm thinking that in your case, it's so much worse because your worst case scenario happened. So exactly. basically yes. <laughs> for you, when you have like a flashback or something triggers you physically, your mind not only is thinking worst case scenario, but it's not like for me, I have these crazy mental health thoughts, like at a heart palpitation immediately, I'm like, I'm having a heart attack, I'm going to die. But that's mm-hmm. not realistic. But for you, your son touches your stomach or lies in your stomach and you immediately think someone's going to die. But somebody did die, right? So to you, it's like you get this physical reaction. And in your mind, it's not something like you can't rationally think to yourself, that's not going to happen because it did happen. Because it did. Right? That's exactly the the, and that's the blunt of it. Yeah. Right. And like, it's not going to happen again. Like that would be incredibly unlikely. Like lightning doesn't usually strike twice, but it must be hard for you to tell your mind like, oh no, calm down. That's not going to happen because it fucking did happen. Right. Like, so I can only imagine how much worse that would be because I can usually like use my tools to bring myself down like, okay, that's very unrealistic, Kendra, you know, but yeah, I mean, I have no, I have nothing to offer you in terms of anything (laughs) helpful, but (laughs) no, it's it's nice to, to have that, that acknowledged, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people don't think that way. And, and, um, no disrespect to my, my business partner. I love her more than life itself. She's wonderful, but she does not have the same experience with 
anxiety and trauma that that I do. And so when I'm speaking with her about like, oh, I was really worried about this because this could have happened. She goes, yeah, but that's really unlikely. And I'm like, in your mind, it's really (laughs) unlikely. Because in my mind, it's already happened. Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. logical because it could happen. I'm living in the experience where this happened. And my body is reacting as if I am in a crisis that I have made up in my head. Like exactly, it, it happens. Yeah, I know. I got um, my a proper diagnosis this past year, and my partner mm, didn't believe me or didn't yeah. understand it. And he didn't. He has no personal experience with mental health issues, and he's like this very kind of traditional mind over matter kind of rational person. And I am not that rational person. (laughs) And he didn't, it was very difficult, I think, for him to understand. And when he didn't believe me, I don't know if I would call it believe me or didn't understand or didn't, you know, whatever it was, it Uh was devastating. Like it was absolutely, it was so invalidating and devastating and painful. It's isolating. Yeah, it absolutely is totally isolating because like it's this person that you you're building your life with. You would expect them to be there and be supportive and learn along with you. And when that doesn't happen, it kind of feels like you're getting pushed backwards and you're like, what? Like, I just want to say that this is the exact reason we're doing this podcast. We are here to validate anyone's mental health shit. (laughs) If someone out there is not validating (laughs) your mental health, you can come on here and we will validate your crazy. Bring your card. We'll validate it. (laughs) I love validation. Like, yeah. I, oh, like yeah. thrive off it oh, yeah. to the point where it's unhealthy. Like, oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a trait of BPD as well, right? It's very yeah. reliant on your outside relationships for oh, your yeah. sense of self. But yeah. I'm, I'm learning how to self-validate, but mm-hmm. I fucking love, like, I crave it. Like mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. feel, but, and also I can perceive I make up in my head like a mind reader that you're not validating me. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, and I'll have a whole experience and reaction yeah. around that. And you've yeah. literally just breathed in my direction. <laughs> so <laughs> validation is so important. <laughs> Anyone yeah. who says that they don't like validation is fucking lying. lying. Or that they don't Liar. need it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a plant Shut needs up. to be watered. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. You need air. Exactly. Um, Ali, I just wanted to go back to, you know, you said you have a son and he's quite young. And so now, I mean, you're a few years out of this situation now. So I'm just wondering with the trauma that you went through, how do you feel like your experience has affected your relationship with your with your son? Like, mm-hmm. do you find that you feel like you're closer to him now? Like that you ex- that you appreciate that relationship a little bit more? It's just the two of you. Do you feel more protective of your child? Oh yeah, I. Yeah. I mean, he and I have always been been very, very close. Yeah, mostly because I was the primary caregiver for him. His dad worked most of the time that he was awake and was home when he was asleep. And so Mm -hmm. I was the one who was with him most of the time. And he was very, very young when it happened. So he doesn't have a whole lot of memory of of his dad anymore. I mean, he knows he existed. He knows that he died. And he asks questions and things like that. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I myself as a mother 
because of who his dad was, I knew that there would be good chance of my son picking up a lot of his dad's traits, Hmm. which he has. So a lot of the time, (laughs) um, (laughs) a lot of the the time I, I find myself struggling because I'm like, God, you're so much like your dad and not in the ways I would like. So I get frustrated a lot. I think now, of course, it's also with the age that he's at. I do struggle a lot these days with him. But over the last couple of years, I grew very, very protective of him. If some kid accidentally tripped him on the playground, I was like, I'll fucking remember that. And I'll find yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, don't you worry. I'll be back. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but no, like very, very protective. I'm super like, I try really hard not to project my own fears onto him mm-hmm. and kind of just let him be a kid, which is also a part of my healing. Like it's a thing that I've, I've committed myself to doing because I don't want him to struggle with the same problems that I have. And honestly, just over the last couple of months, I've noticed some of those things coming out in him, like his fear of being alone and his fear of being abandoned and uh, his uh, his need for constant reassurance are all things that I struggle with till to this day. And so I'm... I'm working really hard. I'm I'm noti- like noticing these things and working hard at trying to kind of not reverse it, but at least acknowledge it and and start to work on it with him. My relationship with him is is fantastic. Like my partner now, like <laughs> I can't explain the help that he's been not only to Peyton but just to me t- to be able to focus on my parenting more. I've been just really, really grateful for that opportunity. And I feel like that strengthened my relationship with my son a lot just over the last year of having him with us. And it was not easy at first. He asked a lot of questions and he was very, very confused. And it was a lot of me feeling like I had failed him because... And it was... <laughs> And it, okay, and I know this is going to sound terrible to a lot of people, but when I Not would hear when I would see him upset, I would feel like a failure for choosing his father mm-hmm. because of what he did. And I said, "God, I should have chose better for you." But that's not fair. You know, no. it, he, he he struggled. He had his struggles and he didn't do this on purpose. So, no. but that's how I, that's how I felt as a mom, like just watching my kid be upset all the time. I felt like I had failed him because of my choice to be with that person. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back, I'm like, no, like that's not, that's not right. <laughs> like, no. well, we would do anything to take the pain away from our kids. Yeah. Like we would oh, do yeah. absurd you know, things and it, we would do anything and think things that don't make sense. So, Mm -hmm. so Al, what are your days like today? Um, what are my days like today? Oh, uh, oh, honestly, a lot of it is just spent working on my business. I, I'm now like in like full-time mom mode because I'm not working. So Mm. I get to do the pickup, the drop-off that I never used to do before. Yeah. So you, you have good days and bad days, I assume, still to this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most most days, most days are good. I'm not going to lie. A lot of my days are good. When the down days happen, 
they hit really, really hard, really hard, really fast. And I have to just sit with it and feel it and move through it because that's what I taught myself that I need to allow myself to do over all of that, uh, all of the therapy sessions and the healing that I tried to do. It, it was just the commitment I made was just when you feel something, even if it does, if it's not the right time, just feel it and go through it and move through it. Cause it's not going to last forever, even though it feels like it, mm-hmm. it's not going to, and it's okay to just feel whatever rational or irrational feelings you're going through at the time. So those bad days are, they're rough, but they're few and far between now, which I'm really grateful for. And being able to be present is just, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, how far I've come and the opportunity I have now to, to just be a full-time mom and get this time back that I lost. So Mm. would you say overall that you're happy, you're content? I believe I'm content. I think I'm still striving for happy. And I think it's going to take me a while. I'm happy with a lot of aspects of my life. I'm happy with who I am as a person and who I've grown to be. And I love who I am very, very much. But Mm -hmm. um, there are things that I think uh, I can work on. I always think that there's room for for progress. And there's always things within yourself that you can work on. So I'm definitely still, still striving for, for better, even better days than I'm having now. (laughs) If you, you know, meet someone or hear of someone who's going through a loss like yours, something very similar, some sort of traumatic event, what would you want them to know? Oh man. Um, well, first of all, if I ever do, like, I'm going to be that first point of contact, 100%. I think that uh, having a good support system of people who know what you're going through is is so important. I think the only I mean, I'm still a part of a lot of widows groups on Facebook and on the internet and things like that. So I'm still being able to support people that way is really, really important to me. But one thing that I've noticed uh, a constant that I've had to remind people is just that nothing in life is is permanent, including the way that you're feeling right now. And And even though things really, really, really suck and it hurts, more than anything you've ever felt in your whole life, it's not going to hurt forever. And you just need to allow yourself to be in it and teach yourself, the trust yourself enough to pull yourself out of it. Mm. Just trust I yourself. Love I love that. Um, I think it's like a Buddhist quote or principle and it's, uh, says something, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, uh, it says something along the lines of, you know, our low moments, our suffering gives context to our joyous moments and our mm-hmm. good moments. And if mm-hmm. we don't have that, that to, that contrast, we don't know what joy really feels like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you so that. much, Allie. You've Thank been you like, guys. this has just been amazing sitting here and listening to you. It was, I've it loved, was really inspiring. Thank you. I've yeah. loved getting to, it's been a long time since I got to sit down and really talk to people who, who understand and who, who really want to just, just talk. 
you know? And And I really feel like listening to you will be so helpful for other people. I sure hope so. Cause I, yeah, I would want nothing more than for someone to be able to relate in, in any way, you know, it, it would mean a lot for sure. And I just want to point out that I know that we, you know, you just started really kind of digging in and talking about this stuff outside of therapy and we're honored that you would be willing to come here and do that with us. So thank you of so course, much, Allie. Of course. Safe place, man. Safe place. This yeah. is a safe place. We're <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you guys. to the crazy bitches podcast each episode is recorded produced and fucked up by amy and kendra please leave us a five-star review if you loved the episode or even if you hated it because god knows we really need the support if you or someone you know is struggling from ptsd please visit heretohelp.ca they have some great information for you yeah, and you can reach out to us anytime on Facebook at Crazy Bee Podcast, on Instagram at crazybitches.podcast, and on our website at www.crazybitchespodcast.com.